Welcome to the Turn Up, Turn Down podcast. I'm Eric Torres. I'm John Potts. Thank you so much for tuning in. So far on this podcast, we've answered the question, what is a producer? And then last episode, we talked about the next steps to take once you've booked uh, a band or, or an artist. We've talked about booking sessions, pre-production, all that kind of stuff. Today, we're going to take it to the next phase of recording, the tracking session, overdubs, and mixing the record. That's right. We're going to try and look at it from a few different perspectives. Producer, engineer, a little bit from the artist, musician standpoint, and uh, let's talk about it. Here we go. So, Eric, we've got the studio booked. We've hopefully uh, had the songs figured out. We've set our expectations with the band, and the day has come. We're at our tracking session. Let's talk through some... This thunderstorm yeah, is great. Let's talk through the thunder. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't come through too bad, but here I, we go. I want to kind of keep this free flowing, but let's just talk maybe a, a few pointers, tips, ideas uh, of working your way through a tracking session from the standpoint of a producer. Okay, so in in my eyes, the producer is kind of like the the foreman or the the general contractor, you know, keeping everything. They're kind of the go-between for everyone from the artist talks to the producer, the producer relays that to the musicians, um, or, you know, the band just comes to you as a sounding board, and then you're talking to the engineer. They're just kind of the overall, the overseer of the whole project. And in that, you need to be, you need to keep stuff on time. You need to make sure everything's working efficiently. Um, just kind of take charge of the session, I think. Yeah, <clears throat> on time is a great, a great place to start because <laughs> there are so many ways to get behind when you're at a tracking session. Everything. I, l- every time I've ever recorded anything, something has broken somewhere. Right. Yeah. In the, in the, the best studio ever or yeah. in my project studio mm-hmm. here. You sure. Know, everywhere. Y- you forget to turn on something. Someone's not plugged in all the way. It's usually something stupid, but yeah. it will set you back hours if you're not prepared for it. That's right. So thinking on your toes, moving around those kind of problems is great. But I think of it too from a when you're when you're trying to keep a session moving, you're the producer, the band has cut a take, knowing when that take is the right one. Oh yeah. You know, sometimes good enough might <laughs> might, might even be the Right. You you're know. like, okay, we're one song in and we've ate up half our day. Yeah. So that one was good enough. We can fix it. Let's right. go. Yeah, fix I, it in the mix. Yeah, yeah, you hate to say that, but sometimes it's just it's what's hey, got to be done. You got to make it work. You're hired, you know, to work within a budget, and if you got to, you know, you got to do what you got to do. That's right. Another thing about time, um, and I mean, this is a side note. I, I I like to have my session run to the point where we're done early, and that leaves some time for experimenting. Maybe let's try that that one crazy take on the drums that. Absolutely. I told uh, I told you not to do. Let's see what it sounds like. You know, the band's got their juices flowing; they're ready to go. Maybe we can cut a guitar part if we weren't planning on it. We have everything there. You know, um, it doesn't always work out where you have enough time to do that. But if if all possible, I like to leave just a little bit of time at the end of the day for spontaneous creation. Yeah, that's great. So on top of just being this like whip cracker, you know, <laughs> right. like trying to make sure everything's all on a strict schedule and budget. You also need to create a vibe for the room that is comfortable to make music in. You know, you don't want to be just Mr., you know, pointing at the clock and, you know, forcing everyone to do stuff. You want to 
you want to make it creative, you know, a place that you would want to make music in and, you know, a friendly environment, um, get the right lighting or something to create an overall tone for the session. Just, you know, have stuff there. Just make it comfortable. So one of the things that I try to do, um, this doesn't always work out exactly the way I want. Bands are eager. But if you know that's let's say, a band's first time in the studio and it's going to take two hours to get the drums up and running, whatever. Can I can I jump in? Sorry, I'm sorry. Absolutely. Night before, any chance you can get drum sounds and stuff the night before For or sure. set up, get any sort of tones, get overall levels to tape, make sure everything's good, set that up. It's It, it helps so much. Absolutely. Continue, I'm sorry. In the case that that don't work out. <laughs> 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 what I try to do is maybe don't have the whole band show up right at the start of the session. Totally. It, it, the guitar players, bass players, singers, whatever, are just going to be sitting around doing nothing, probably talking and kind of getting in the way, you know, when, yeah. you're, when you're trying to listen. I mean, you can have them do some things, set, go set up your guitar, but that doesn't take that long. Right. So maybe, you know, tell them to go eat some breakfast, <laughs> get, get the drums up and going, then have them show up, at a, you know, a little bit later. That keeps the, that way you don't have to keep doing the whole mama bear thing. Keep it down, kids, you know. What's worse than people screaming in the back of the control room as you're trying to get drum sounds? Right. Yeah. That is a, that's a engineer's worst nightmare. In between takes, trying to listen to someone, I need to fix this part, and meanwhile you've got the whole band behind you just screaming. Note, note to uh, bands, artists, musicians. Since you brought up the engineer, what are they doing at this point? Their job is uh, even more hectic. At, at that point, as far as I'm concerned, it's it because they are they have to make sure every single signal is going everywhere, making sure everything's working, listening, getting drum sounds, getting everything, um, making sure everyone's comfortable, making uh, headphone mixes, everything just work flawlessly. Because once you get that first song under your belt, you're kind of ready to go nuts for the rest of the day. When you are producing a project, um, how do you address the engineer at the start of a session? Are you giving them specifics? I'm going for X drum sound. Tell them to go for it. Are you letting them kind of get something up and running based on, you know, what they know of the room and then fine-tuning it? What's your process? A lot of stuff I do uh, that I produce, I'm engineering as well. So I, I have a little bit, you know, different point of view. But the some stuff I have just produced um, – I feel like a lot of stuff now, it's hard to get super specific with sounds. You almost, um, I find myself having to just get more of a general tone that could work. You can maybe dampen the snare drum, but it's, you know, it's the same, it's the same signal chain and the same overall mic, miking of the kit and all that. Um, you know, the amp is in this room with this mic in it for the guitar. Um, it's hard to like throw it in a different chamber or something, you know, you just don't have all that time. So you kind of just have to get an average overall tone for, for every instrument, um, that you can hopefully manipulate and get sounding the way you want. You know, if there's a very specific, we want like a, a Mumford and Sons thing, then you might want to just capture that then because it's, you know, it's a very, very specific thing. Um, it's probably better to get the instrument right than it is to get the mic and eq yeah correct right. correct if if you're going like you said mumford and son you don't need a 26 inch kick drum 
Maybe. Or maybe right. you do. Or maybe you do. I don't yeah. Know. Whatever it is to get that sound. <laughs> it might be a marching, you know, drum. I tend to let the engineer do his thing mm-hmm. and then tweak it. You know, if their if their instinct is to let's say crush the room mics or something like that with a compressor, but that might not be the direction I want to go in. Just let them set it up how they want and then ask them to back off a little bit on the compression. Something like that, because if, if you know where you're going later, yep. that way it doesn't sound like you're doing their job for them. And also you're you're thinking of other things at the same time too. You don't. Yeah, you have big bigger picture stuff. Right. You're thinking that, oh, this won't work for this specific song. They've never heard the song. Nope. It really, speaking from a producer standpoint, it really helps to have a great relationship with a specific engineer. You know, I, I know a lot of top engineers, um, you know, that do all your favorite records. No, producers, I'm sorry, um, have a specific engineer that they work with for everything. So it is like an extension of themselves, and they know, and they're in on the pre-production meetings. They know everything going on. It just saves time and all that. I know we all don't have that luxury, but even if you go back to the same studio, you know, you'll you'll see that same engineer. You yeah. might not see him on a on a weekly basis, but a couple times a year, and they they will remember if they're a quality engineer. They'll remember some of your specific uh, things you like and that sort of thing. It helps to talk about it separately like this. What is a producer doing this day? What is the engineer doing? But like you said earlier, a lot of times these days it's right. producer engineer. But I still think it's useful to to think about it in your own head differently, even if you're acting as the person that's doing everything to kind of compartmentalize that for yourself. Yeah, it's a, it is a it's a different job. Even if you're doing it simultaneously, they are two different jobs. You know, like one is more more technic technic technical. You know. Yeah, I think that's that's the engineer, right? <laughs> Said that awfully, I'm sorry, but and the other, you know, as a producer, you're just constantly you're kind of always on the creative side. Once all the business stuff is out of the way and you're not, you know, pointing at your watch, it's really just about being creative. And the engineer is worried about, you know, again, getting all the mics plugged in and making sure everything's working, powering up, you know, why is this channel scratchy and all that kind of stuff that yeah, I mean, that's I, their that's their job. You could probably summarize something like that by saying the engineer is responsible for making every take as sonically good as it could be, and the producer is trying to make it like the emotion. They're, that's what they're worried about. Yeah, that's great, especially for like a vocal or something like that. Mm-hmm. Everything. So once we've moved past, let's say, basic tracking, um, we're going to be talking about overdubs. In a scenario where you've got a band um, that you're recording, a lot of times you maybe you're cutting the drums and bass, planning on doing the guitars and vocals some other place, maybe a home studio, a smaller studio that just has a vocal booth or something like that. Um, that process is really where the song, the, the, the musical part of the song is built. Um, you've got the rhythmic stuff, drums and bass, like I said, done. Um, then you can start getting into um, specific guitar parts. Hopefully we figured them out in pre-production. But uh, <laughs> that isn't always the case. And, and a lot of times it's it's more of when you get everything on the record, then you realize what's missing or what's too much, you know. Right. And 
having as a producer having to work with an artist to to work through those problems is is different from band to band. Some guys are awesome at or or ladies, some people are awesome at <laughs> improvising um, lead parts or something like let's say they do a solo. I don't know, man. It's not cutting it. They just improvise another one, then you fine tune it. You know, work your way through each section of the solo or whatever. Some people are not like that. They're a composer, and they need to sit down and start from the map beginning it out. and map That's it right. out. And so you need to be flexible about those situations. Sometimes it's okay to say, "Hey, this part's not working. I want you to think about it between now and the next tracking date, and come back. You know, move on and come back to it later." That's right. I will say, um, not to get about specific things, but with um, it's all, it seems like it's always like drum and bass, right? Like we're getting drums, so we, we should get bass as well. I've really noticed heavier stuff. If you've got big guitars, I really prefer cutting rhythm guitars before bass. That's just a, I don't know. No, that's awesome. I've, just because like I haven't had the opportunity you really get, to do that. Uh, I don't know, just easier to hear what's happening with your guitars um, without that bass there, like really locking the guitars in with the kick and that kind of thing. Um, cause then it's always, I mean, I guess you can mute it and that sort of thing, but, um, it's just a different way to go about it that no, that's, I that's, really liked that's really good advice. the outcome on it. That's what this is about, Eric. It's a conversation about music. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, so that's kind of talking in the, in the band sense of everything. When you look at uh, going and renting an Oceanway studio or something with, uh, you know, doing a country record, that sort of thing, um, you kind of get really spoiled on a, on all fronts. As an engineer, um, people come in with the best equipment possible, best instruments, you know, the, the perfect amp, and and then the player knows exactly how to play it in the exact tone you're looking for. Um, you can tell them to just play solo after solo after solo and it can make you, not you, but there are producers in town that just kind of sit back and let the players produce the records themselves. And, you know, the, the tracking, you just kind of like get everything clean to tape and it all just kind of works and it, it can make someone, uh, kind of a lazy producer engineer just cause it, it makes it easy because you're working with just these world-class people and by the end of the by the end of the 3 hour block you have three songs that you could go straight to mixing if you wanted to and uh you have to stretch yourself and really push yourself to get to get out of that um it's just a totally different mind frame and it's it's great and it's kind of scary at times too because you're relying on people and you know it can get weird can I go on a tangent here <laughs> Please. World-class instruments, world-class, let's say, amps, drums, whatever. Right. Um, not everybody has that, right? That's right. <laughs> and I find that in the in a band scenario, especially, you know, first-time recording artists, they may not even have a good amp, <laughs> you know. Um, or sometimes they do, but it's not the right amp. Maybe they have... A small fender but they're a metal band or you know whatever right. and it, you right. know it could work or whatever but it's not it's not always right so it's great if you are a producer that has access to guitar amps drums whatever bring it all bring it all to the tracking Absolutely. session i have an old drum kit that 
doesn't get used on 90% of the sessions I bring it to. But there's been a couple times where I was really glad I brought it, you know. Um, definitely bring my guitar amps, all that kind of stuff. And it's it's if nothing else, it's good to have options. Yes. Um, Stacking stuff, whatever it is. One of the first things I bought was a Black Beauty. Just yeah. like, you know what, this is going to work. Most of the time, you can get that thing to work. It's you know, always just, better to. to have a great instrument than it is a great, let's say, mic pre or something like that. Absolutely. Every, every single time. Something like a snare drum, to be real specific, a lot of studios, even the smaller um, I don't want to say project. They're bigger than project studios. Well, just not full commercial yeah, studios. Yeah, even the smaller ones will have a drum set. So a lot of them have a couple snare drums. Yeah. That's awesome. But usually they're not tuned, you know, between... <laughs> Haven't been played or... Yeah, yeah, the last time they were used was six weeks ago or whatever. So if you're bringing your own stuff, tune it up the night before. Um, it'd be great to learn how to tune drums. <laughs> and that's such no. a useful skill. Okay, either a producer or engineer, yeah. know those basic things, how to, well, how to tune a kit. That that should be engineering or producing 101. Right. Because, again, you can take a really bad kit. If you can tune it, you have a little window there where it's going to stay in tune. Sure. And you can get a magic take out of it. You know, and if you can have the best kit in the world, and if you can't get it in tune, it might sound okay. It's it's never going to sound great though. It's going to be so more just, work on the back end to to fix yeah, that. We're just useless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it's really yeah. Yeah. I I I have been saved by some snare drums I brought. You know? Yes. So if you don't have access to a lot, if you don't own it, talk to your friends, borrow stuff. Borrow. <laughs> call, call I in have favors. done that. Yeah. Absolutely, I've done that. Talk to uh, really to be honest, talking to the band and saying, "Hey, talk to your friends who have good stuff. Borrow it." You know, we're kind of, again. We're kind of spoiled sure. <laughs> in music yeah. in Music City here. Yeah, everybody's you know, got something. I'll never forget. I was doing this session, and uh, we just said, "Man, this song could really use a toy piano." And the keyboard player said, "Oh man, I was just down at you know Joe's place the other day, and we did a toy piano thing. It sounded great. I'll be right back." Fifteen minutes later, he's back with a toy piano. We had the overdub before we even moved on song. We did two overdubs. And by the time he was back, it was his turn, and it, it was just com that's completely awesome. seamless. You know, that's that, awesome. That's very Nashville, but wherever you are, you can probably rent one, um, go buy one, and return it. <laughs> Been there, done that. I mean, it, it will make a difference. Yeah, it'll make a huge difference. Just if it's, you're going it's to buy it. something, do some research. Try to get something like a Black Beauty, or I don't know a. Fender Deluxe Reverb, something a that can good be good acoustic guitar. Yeah, something that's used on a lot of different things. Yeah, you know, it may not be appropriate for every genre, but you can get it, you know, for for more than one. Yeah, that's a great way to go. Absolutely, it's it's worth it's worth everything. As much as any piece of gear, any preamp, any mic, having a few good instruments will save your butt. So we got off on that tangent, but to kind of bring it back to what you were talking about. Um, I think the main difference in what you and I do for overdubs is overdubs for me are typically on a different day than the original tracking session. But for you, you can do a lot of, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them on the same day. Yeah, a lot of that in that setting, it is um, you kind of get as much as you can. You Doing that kind of stuff in Nashville, you're, on, you're working on a union time 
time scale, you know, you're working on scale. And so you, you need to get a certain amount of songs done per three hour block, that kind of thing. Um, but that usually allows you to get basic tracks on a song, spend maybe 20 minutes getting another guitar pass or two. But usually there still is another day for guitars or something. You know, you might have gotten everything you need on three songs, but four songs still need a solo or, you know, by the time you get vocals done and uh, that sort of thing, you realize, man, this still needs another hook or something. I, I always like to, not always, but a lot of times I like to do the tracking day, live with it, get a good mix, really hear what's going on, do some editing, clean some stuff up, get a good idea, get the vocalist in then before the track is completely done, um, get a good vocal, get a good amount of backgrounds on it, whatever they're, whatever those are going to be, and then say, okay, what do I still need to fill this song out? What What's it missing? Or where's there too much? And I need to strip everything down and I still need a guitar player to come in and just break it down to like a guitar and a vocal for this verse or something, you know? Um, that's, again, another way I like to work sometimes. That kind of brings up a good point of when is the best time to get the vocals done. Mm-hmm. Is that when we're talking about overdubs, we're talking about instruments. Yes. Um, typically, the vocals are not cut on tracking days. They right. can be. It's kind of cool when it is. Yeah, but it just doesn't tend to work out like that. Right. Um, I mean, just logistically, a lot of times it's the last thing that gets done. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, it's always good to keep some time at the end to go back and hit some things that maybe came up. It's also kind of singer preference, right? Sure. Uh, there's so many times I think it's fun when I'm working as an engineer, just doing vocal overdubs for, you know, someone's demo or something. And they say, oh, you know, whatever you want, you know, however you like to record vocals. And I'm thinking, what do I, I'm just pressing record here. Like I'm making sure you sound good to tape, getting a good vocal sound. I don't care if we do all verses and then choruses or take a couple. How are you comfortable? You know, and again, if the, if the artist wants to hear a full track before they sing, because, you know, they need that support and they want it to rock and they just want to be fully inspired, by all means, let's wait. But sometimes it's the first thing, you know, you're tracking to an acoustic guitar and vocal, and that's what's driving the whole song. So it, I guess it kind of depends. Could be song-specific for sure. For sure. Yeah, I I think uh, you brought up another good point there. It, it kind of... Another thing a producer can be doing during the overdub session is figuring out is this vocalist better if I just hit start recording at the beginning of the song and let it roll? Mm-hmm. Or can they go hit specific parts? That's going to make the engineer's job different too. Yeah. Um, well, I've, you're spending the time one way or the other, right. or the other, comping or right. punching in and out. Yeah, I've, I mean, I'm just like everybody. I'm sure worked with people that are good one way or the other. I personally prefer to get as long of a take as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, of them singing, but you know, the, it doesn't. If there's a you know a real quiet verse and a real loud chorus, it doesn't always work out like that. Yeah, e- even you know, just if it's a super intense song, you just need you need that intensity on every line, right? And sometimes you just need that fresh breath and just get those four words out, whatever that is, and just you know, punch every single line. Yeah. Get a big deep breath, punch in, and boom, nail it. You know, and it's all about that's a that's a tool. It's not we're not relying on that because a person's a bad singer. You're using it as a tool. You're sure. using the ability to punch in and out as a tool. 
And yeah. I think, again, whatever it takes to get that, to get it to jump out. Because it's not about what it sounds like in the room. It's about what it sounds like coming out of the speakers. Because there are plenty of times where you're in there and I'm like, man, this kit sounds awesome. Or or the whole band is just playing great in the room. And you come out and you're like, it's just not, it's not jumping out of the speakers. And that's that's all that matters because that's how people are going to hear it. What One thing I think you're kind of alluding to there is, you know, when you're saying it's a tool, it's 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 kind of fighting against the stigma that recording something in multiple takes or overdubs is not real somehow, yeah. you know, and that the, the singer is being manipulated. But I, I always tell people, you know, we're not trying to make a live record. No. You know, we're trying to make a record. I don't yeah. want to make a live record. <laughs> no, that's a whole different animal. <laughs> And, you know, it it comes up a lot of times with guitar players uh, who are worried about making pedal switches or something like that. And they're, and they're trying to figure out how to play their part where they can, where they'll be able to translate it live. And it, my opinion is usually figure that out later. Let's make right. the best sounding record we can make. Absolutely. And then you can edit, you know, for the live show later. It That's doesn't, right. You don't have to worry about that right now. They're two different things in my book. Absolutely. Now, you I do think there is something to be said for you can make a record where everything is, I'm going to record the verse, I'm going to record the chorus, I'm going to record the bridge, whatever, and you're not thinking about how the music gets from one part to the next because yeah. you're just punching parts. Who's, whose job is that? That is the producer's That's job. That's the producer's <laughs> job. So big picture, transitions, transitions, transitions. Yeah. Not everything needs like a sudden stop or a fall off, <laughs> you know, going to the next part. Um, a little whoosh here whoosh. and there yeah. will do a lot of good. <laughs> so after we've done the overdubs, the next step is mixing. And it's personally the end product is the best part, but but getting there is not always easy. I mean, from a producer standpoint, it is so. The word I'm looking for is um, is escaping me. Hang on a second. Trying is that a good yeah, word? Yeah, like <laughs> you've been guiding a project from inception to completion, and you're just kind of letting it go at this point. <laughs> Hope the mixer gets what I'm saying. And and if if you're not the kind of guy that can mix it, you are at the mercy of that mixer. That's right. You have a vision. Hopefully the engineer worked with you and the band worked with you to, and you all worked together to create that vision. But if it's not put together the right way at the end, it c can be a mess and can ruin a project. Because it's almost like you're putting, you've made this song, right? You've recorded it. And you hope all the elements are there to where the engineer, the mix engineer just gets it. It's like it's very obvious what they were going for. Okay, I don't need to make these drums slam. They want more like of an ambient thing. You know, you just hope that it's all there because if not, you might get something back that is nothing at all what you what you were going for. That's a, that's a rough day. Man, <laughs> there, there are some projects where like you've got, let's say, like a real up-tempo kind of pop rock deal or whatever got real syncopated guitars and drums um and the verses and they kind of hit in the chorus those songs almost mix themselves mm -hmm. because That's right. it's like all the stuff's working together it, it doesn't really 
take a very creative person to figure out how that's supposed to fit together. But if you've got something that's a little bit more complicated or you're going, Oh, is this, is this first chorus down or is it up? Right. It's like the, these guitars are big, yeah, but yeah. The, the whole thing needs to build, but you're playing something the whole time. Like what needs to be quiet where? And you know, it, it takes a lot as a producer to kind of let that go and let the mixer interpret it and hope they get it right. And then the, I guess people skills dynamic of helping them figure out that they got it wrong. <laughs> it's, it's a really important, it's a really important thing to have. I I don't I don't hire a lot of mixers because I get hired a lot to mix. So again, I, I do a lot of my own mixing. But a few times I have, um, a couple times it was great, a couple times it was bad. But it, there are also happy accidents. That's great, just from a completely fresh set of ears listening and you know there was this delay clean guitar thing and i swear it was the loudest thing in the track above the heavy guitars and the huge drums there was this clean like delay guitar thing happening and i'm thinking my first instinct was what are you thinking why is that the loudest thing happening everything else should be much louder than that and that's just kind of this ambient thing happening above sparkling and you know what we left it because after my initial shock, I'm like, maybe that's kind of good that it was that shocking that it was just out there for everyone to hear. So there's your there's your good and your bad that comes with it. I tend not to mix my own stuff. Full disclosure, Eric mixes a lot of my stuff because <laughs> he's awesome. But the, the thing that I do, even with a guy like Eric that I've used a lot to mix my stuff, it's I've been making rough mixes sometimes for months. And I've got a real idea of what I think it should sound like. Yeah. And getting a, listening to a mix for the first time can be shocking. So I, I try to listen to it once and just start it again. <laughs> and just listen to it one more time right after it. And just get over that first shock. It's kind of like what you said during tracking too, right? You kind of let the engineer do their thing, see their idea through. Right. And then you assess, is it right? Am I, you know, am I, do I just, am I stuck to what's in my head? Or are they onto something? Right. And, but it is your call as the producer. Does that bass sound bad because they messed it up or because we <laughs> didn't record it right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> right. What can we do to fix that? I, I it, it is it, it is one of the weirder parts of being a producer, right? Just it, it's something that it's the most out of your control in some ways. I mean, obviously, yeah. you're not playing the parts a lot of times. You're not. But you can... You could be really involved in the rest of it. You you know, if you've got an engineer that doesn't see your vision, you can get up in that process and really guide them because you're there with them the whole time. That's right. Same thing for the band. I mean, you're getting their performances out of them. Now, if you're if you're not getting what you need, then there's you know you're not maybe a, doing a great job as a producer on that song. Mm -hmm. But you're not usually at the mix session, right? And it's again, it's it's not. Okay, so the mix engineer is being hired by the producer, right? Right. But if they don't work well with a producer over their shoulder, you probably shouldn't go. No. You know, you should you should listen to them and say, I, I ask people that, you know, let me at least get two hours with the song by myself. If you really want to be there, give me a little while. Because a lot of it is just getting a template set up, getting a feel of the song, getting all my plugins up, you know, that kind of thing, getting sends and... That can take an hour to get a song prepped. And if you're just sitting there, you're going to be talking to me, and that hour is going to turn into two hours because 
or talking about stuff, that sort of thing. So listen to your engineer. If he doesn't want you there, don't be there. If you have to be there, ask him how you can make it work, but kind of work on their terms because you'll get a better project or you'll get a better product. Also to tag on to that, if you're an engineer, figure out how to organize your sessions to where a mix engineer figure out what's going on quickly. Cause that a tracking make... engi- if you're a tracking engineer. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They may not know what GTR 7.06 is supposed to be. Oh. If you can maybe put a note <laughs> in that track, they love it. Anything to make any anything to make anything easier. You're already gonna be listening to every single track as a mix engineer, every track soloed to hear exactly what's going on when. Um yeah, anything to help that along is helpful. Knowing when a mix is done is a skill in and of itself. Yeah, I, I get, I, yeah. As I, a, I don't think about it. Sorry, I just, moment of silence because I'm thinking, he's right, but I've never really thought about it that way. I, it just you As a mix engineer, you're just working there and you just go, yeah, it's there. You know, but I know in talking to friends and stuff, and I guess I used to as well, it was like, okay, I know it's at at least it's at least at a point to where I should stop and reassess. And that could be the the point where it's done, but then you go back and work it to death, you know, like overcooking a steak. <laughs> Man, as a creative person, just in general, knowing when to stop fiddling. With, yeah. And, and I, I try to, when I'm doing a mix, which, like I said, isn't that often. I try to think when I'm when I get to the point where I've spent a lot of time with it, is what I'm doing right now making it better or is it making it different? You know, it, does the guitar part being louder affect the song or not? Right. You know, is it if it's louder and it makes it worse, then okay, that's one thing. But a lot of times it's like, well, now it's just louder and mm-hmm. doesn't sound any different. You know, so maybe once you get to that point, maybe it's done. Well, and like almost anything else, it, it gets to the point where okay, this is a good mix, right? And after this, it's all just preference. Right. It's like, okay, those drums are slamming, the vocal's right up front, I can hear it, it's all good, but the producer really wants to hear this chimey guitar in verse two up. It doesn't mean the mix was bad or anything, it's just that's that's what we had in mind. You know, it's it gets so subjective that it's kind of, I kind of equate it to to gear, Okay, so there's API, there's SSL, there's Neve. They're all pro gear. They're all amazing. Everything does their own thing, and it's really you're just picking your flavor. It's a Strat versus a, a a Les Paul. You know, they're both great guitars. The best of each is as good as the as the other. You're just trying to you know decide which one's best for the project. You know, right. that kind of thing. Use the right tool for the right situation. Yeah. My least favorite part of mixing is when I spend four hours on a mix and then I listen to my rough mix that I spent three seconds on and it's way better. <laughs> there's more dynamic and it kind of hits yeah. and you're not, it's not over, again, it's not overworked. But there's one thing about it that's not good enough to release <laughs> and, I, and I can't figure out what I did. Yeah, it happens. Uh, I've, I've sent off stuff to mastering. It came back and you're just going, no, you know, like this mix, I thought it was working, but it's kind of not. And then you go back to your, you know, all my stuff is labeled ET Mix, and it's right. ET Mix One, and you put it back up, you send it off, and it comes back, and you go, and that's that's the mix. It, it wasn't ET Mix Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah. Once it's been touched and retouched and, well, no, you know, like nudge that guitar up. No, 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 that, yeah, that guitar, that, bring that one up too. Wait, the vocal's a little bit too far back now. Well, what I did is I just pushed everything up about a dB around the vocal, and then you're asking me to push the vocal up another, and now I'm smashing the stereo bus and we're back to square one. There's something about every song I've ever worked on that I don't like. (laughs) Something small, usually, like that one hi-hat hit, the compressor did something weird. Yeah. Nobody will notice it. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. There's just something I don't like. And it's sometimes it's random chance like that. Sometimes I do think I made the wrong choice about something. Sometimes it's in your mind. It usually is. There was funny story. There was, uh, I was hired to mix. There was this note, you know, the, and the, the producer did a bunch of the overdubs and stuff himself and tuned the vocals, everything. I just got it. I mixed it and that was it. And after it came back from mastering, you know, we were listening and we we're talking about it and everything. He's like, man, there's still just that one note in the bridge. I, I just tuned it too hard. And, um, you know, I, I still hear it every single time. It just makes me so angry. I'm like, yeah, you know, when I was mixing, I heard that. And I went into your comp and I recomped it and put another one in there. That was a little smoother transition, you know, and, and, and I actually replaced it. So it's, it's not there. That's awesome. <laughs> but in his mind, it was still there, and it still bugged him every time. And you're just like, yeah, it, it's not even there. <laughs> well, I mean, the the thing is, the, the, there are these things I notice about major records, too. Like, I'll be listening to, I don't know, Led Zeppelin or something, and it's like, man, that is a washy hi-hat. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of cool. Down a jank. Ka-jank, ka-jank, ka-jank. They <laughs> right. acoustic guitars. You're like, well, that was unnecessary, but it's exciting. Okay, yeah, let's it, go for it it. it. it becomes endearing after a while. Yeah. Yeah. The the ones are uh, there's a stroke song where I'm like this hi hat is just about one and a half dB too loud the, the, all all the way through but then it's kind of its thing it's now it's that song right. with the hi hat too loud and now you start to think as a producer you're going was that intentional was yeah it, was it really intentional it it's it's doing something somebody heard it and thought that sounded good <laughs> I'm in after mixing what's next mastering right uh, for mastering. You call the best mastering engineer you know <laughs> or that's around you or that you can send files to, and you hope for the best. <laughs> is that about right? Mastering is kind of like magic, right? <laughs> Don't really know what's going on. It makes it better. Yeah. That's about all I got on that one. I, I kind of feel the same way. Awesome. <laughs> well, I think that pretty much covers everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. We went from... What is a producer? Mm-hmm. Last episode, again, we talked through first steps of, you know, you've got a band, what do you do next? And I think we kind of talked through the rest of the process today. I think we've kind of got a good idea. How to make a record. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Please stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. Um, you know how to get a hold of us. Email addresses in the show notes. Thanks for listening.